to get idea in startup, it's as basic as thinking what people want. And the reality is that some people are better to know what others want than others. So, of course, the easiest way to do that is to build something for yourself. If you build something for yourself that you really want, and you want that it exists, and there is enough of you in the world, then it's kind of obvious that your startup will be a success. But the question is how honest you will be. I see a lot of entrepreneurs failing because they lie to themselves. They lie to themselves at the quality they, they want. They lie to themselves at, are they the right person to build that? They lie to themselves, are, I, I am ready to pay the price of what is necessary to build. Very simple example. Someone will come and say, oh, I have this amazing idea, but I'm looking for a developer to do it. Okay, but can you give him money? No, I don't have money. Okay, are you ready to give a significant portion of your company? No, it's my idea. And then they don't realize that the idea have no value because what have value, it's not the idea by itself, but the execution. Hey, this is Vladimir from The Family. Welcome to our podcast where we gather the best content about startups and tech. If you're looking for insights, if you're looking for knowledge, if you're looking for inspiration from the best entrepreneurs out there, this is the place you should be. This podcast is powered by The Family, the structure that helps entrepreneurs a structure for ambitious entrepreneurs, a structure for the people who want to build the next tech giants in Europe. We take companies from pre-seed and we help them until there's an IPO or an exit. So it's really long term. It's not your basic accelerator or incubator. We have a team of 50 people that we call warriors on demand for the startups. We have more than 200 active startups today. Some of them you may know. Algolia, Payfit, Agricool, Hitch, Fretlink, Side. Three out of four raised money with VCs and the combined valuation of our portfolio is $3.5 billion today. This week, one more episode featuring Usama Amar, our co-founder. An episode for all the idea lovers out there. For all the thinkers that need to realize that startups are only about doing. Yes, there are still people thinking that building a startup equals getting a good idea. Let me be clear. Getting ideas is a dynamic process, not a eureka moment. Ideas are alive, and good entrepreneurs adapt their ideas to their real market needs. Ideas don't matter that much compared to execution and decisions. So, you have an idea? Cool. Listen to this episode and test it as quickly as possible after that. Today, we are talking together about how to get startup ideas. So... A lot of entrepreneurs think that getting ideas is the most important thing. In the same time, if you look at any content that is done around getting ideas, everyone will tell you that no ideas have any value. So why are we so obsessed about ideas? Why do you think that being an entrepreneur is about getting the right ideas? And I think it comes down to the fact that we don't understand how dynamic the process of getting ideas is. It's not something that you do, uh, you know, we have this image like, oh, you have a eureka moment, you, 
you see uh, you are in the garden, you think, and there is a moment of inspiration where you get an idea that will change the world and make your company. The other problem we have is that when we describe entrepreneurship in pop culture, we have this image that an entrepreneur is someone that has an idea and transforms this idea in a success overnight. The reality is that most of the people don't realize how their idea is valuable until it becomes a big thing. For example, recently I learned that the, the Google co-founders tried to sold Google for $1 million to Yahoo. And Yahoo said, well, it's too much. It's, it's funny, huh? It's like to imagine that one of the most transformative companies in the world, Google, that everybody here know and use. Everybody watching this video use Google. Actually, it's on YouTube, owned by Google. That company that become a massive company was created by two guys that did not understand how massive it can become and were ready to sell it for $1 million. And Yahoo found that way too expensive. So basically, getting an idea in a startup, it's a dynamic process in the sense that you need to confront your vision of the world to reality. And reality is a constant feedback. So two things that are false about ideas. The first one is that you don't get one idea forever. Like most of the company evolve, they live. Ideas are alive. Like when you get something and you work on a project and you try this project in the world, then the world gives you feedback and help you reshape that. And here come down the first exercise is how do you hear this feedback and how do you manage this feedback? The second thing is that it will be really impressive if you are smart enough to understand reality. So one of the things people don't understand is that future is not a passive process. The future doesn't exist yet. Most of everything we have around us have been designed by the will of someone at some point. You have the willing to create something. If you are sitting on this chair, it's because someone in my team decided to buy these shares. If you are in this place, it's because one day we got the decision. And so instead of talking about ideas, we should talk about decision. And the company is not about one single big decision. Building a company is about taking thousands and thousands of decisions and hoping that each decision makes you closer to your vision. And so what is important when you have an idea is to test this idea out as soon as possible. So there is three things. The first one is to be obsessed way too much about competition. So let's talk about that because it's an interesting point. We are more in the market that are unbiased by competition than in markets where competition really matters. Most of the time, startups are way too small to get impacted by competition. So to understand that, you need to understand two things. Is when the competition becomes destructive and why most of the time it has no effect. So to understand that, think about two markets. On one side, let's take the airplane companies. Do you know that if you take all the money invested in airplanes, so you take every airplane company in the world, and you take all the money invested in airplanes, okay? 
And then you take all the money paid back by these airplane companies to their investor. What happened? The airline industry destroyed shareholder value in an order of magnitude of 3x. So basically, it costed three times more money to people to build airline companies than what the airline companies pay back to their shareholder. It's a destructive industry. And of course, you know all of that. When you look for an airplane ticket, the only thing you look at is the price. Nobody has any brand love for airline company. Airline company changed the world in a massive way. Everybody in this room, everybody watching this video, have his life once at least changed because of a travel. A lot of you in this room, you are here because you took a plane. And you had the chance of taking plane. Plane is one of the industries that had the most positive impact on the world. And still, no one likes any airline company. Except the people that are rich enough to, to fly on Emirates. But it's kind of a strange edge, edge case. So, airlines are like that. And airlines destroy value because they compete way too much against each other. Now, let's take an, another example. Cereal morning box. So, you know the morning cereals. Morning cereals are super competitive market. If you go in a supermarket and you see how many brands there is, you get crazy. Do you know that there is no morning cereal company that make more, less than 10% return for their shareholder year every year over year? None. And they are super competitive. Cereal companies are not good for the planet. They are full of sugar. Uh, they increase the risk of diabetes. And still, the brand love for morning cereals is massive. Why? Because morning cereals look like startups. The way they target their client is by niche allocation. Basically, when you look in a supermarket, all the kind of cereals, there is a very low chance that everyone will love the same brand. Because we have different flavor, you have different taste, you have different texture, you have different mood. And all of that helps you select the kind of cereals you want. Startups are the same thing. When you create a startup, it takes very, very long time before being at a size where the competition can impact you. By the way, most of the startups die not because of competition, but because of the mistake they do looking at their competition. Basically, looking at your competition when you're an entrepreneur, it's like looking at an Instagram account and thinking that what you see on the Instagram account is a reality. You know, there is few people that have amazing holidays picture. Still, the holidays are shitty. And there are some people, they have really bad Instagram picture, but they have a lot of fun. Because what Instagram puts you on, it's not your ability to have a real life, it's to your ability to show off your life. And that can be totally decorrelated of how your life is really. Same thing with startups. When you try to look at competition, when you have an idea, and you think, oh, let's check what already exists, you are not doing an exercise that tells you what really exists. You are doing an exercise of seeing who is good at showing off. And so you compare your inside to the outside of others. 
and comparing your inside to the outside of others is a really wrong way of picking an idea. The second thing that people get wrong about how to get an idea is that they think that there is no room enough. So it's kind of a derivate from the competition. They think that because someone is doing something, then you cannot do it. And there is a thought experience I love to teach our entrepreneurs with. It's called let's sell a shitty thing. So let's imagine a world where I, I tell you, you pick a random object. Uh, let's say this bottle of water, okay? And I tell you, your challenge is to sell this bottle of water, smart water. Uh, it's, we are sponsored by smart water. Uh, <laughs> this bottle of smart water, and I ask you to sell it for $1 million. How do you do that? Is it possible? Do you think it's possible? Why? So everybody say yes. We are very confident audience. Uh, yeah, someone already did it. So if someone did it, why not you? That's a good, that's a good way of seeing the thing. But why is because there is someone in the world on 7 billion people that is ready to do something stupid. There is always someone that is a client for anything. The question is that it's not going to be easy to sell that for one million. If you want to sell that for one million, you will need an extra incredible execution. And actually, that's how you can modelize startup. Every startup can exist. The only question is how hard they are to build. More your idea is obvious and is kind of linked to an existing market where there is a need, and more it's easy to execute it. But there is no startup that is impossible to execute. It's just that it will be totally silly and stupid to try to sell a bottle of water for one million. You will need to do a lot of fake things, and I think as an entrepreneur, doing all these storytelling fake things are not what you are signing for. What you are signing for as an entrepreneur is to build something people want. And so to get idea in startup, it's as basic as thinking what people want. And the reality is that some people are better to know what others want than others. So of course, the easiest way to do that is to build something for yourself. If you build something for yourself that you really want, and you want that it exists, and there is enough of you in the world, then it's kind of obvious that your startup will be a success. But the question is how honest you will be. I see a lot of entrepreneurs failing because they lie to themselves. They lie to themselves at the quality they, they want. They lie to themselves at are they the right person to build that? They lie to themselves are I, I am ready to pay the price of what is necessary to build. Very simple example. Someone will come and say, oh, I have this amazing idea but I'm looking for a developer to do it. Okay, but can you give him money? No, I don't have money. Okay, are you ready to give a significant portion of your company? No, it's my idea. And then they don't realize that the idea have no value because what have value, it's not the idea by itself, but the execution. And if you want to understand that once and for all, let's play a magic trick. Imagine 
I'm Dumbledore. And I have a wizard wand. And here, I make everyone appear in a separate room with the same recipe, the same ingredients, the same um, uh, um, tools to cook. And I give you a chocolate cake recipe. And I give to everyone in this room exactly the same time. What will happen? Someone in this room will do a chocolate cake that will be better than every other chocolate cake that is done by everyone else. And now let's say that during, during this conference, I did the same experience in 20 places around the world. And I took the 20 winners in the 20 room and I put them again in one room and I asked them exactly the same exercise. What will happen? Someone will do a better chocolate cake. This chocolate cake is what is about doing a startup. Deciding to do a chocolate cake or um, um, a tiramisu or, any, or pavlova, that's what is about having an idea. It doesn't have any impact on the success of your company. There is no link between your idea and what you are building. There is a link between which market you are operating in and which kind of success you can build. Some markets are easier than others. If you build an airline company, you are going to struggle much more than if you build a cereal box. That's for sure. But the question is not that. The question is who are you and how are you linked to what you are building? So if you are convinced that everything around the world has been built by someone and decided by someone, then you know that it's in your power to change things. It's in your power to decide what do you want to change in this world and are you the right person to do that? Are you ready to pay the price to do that? And that's where a lot of people mistake are mistaken. It's because they don't see how hard it is to do something. They don't realize that overnight success doesn't exist, that most of the work of organization are years and years of work in doing, and most of the time, very long time before starting what they are doing. For example, let's take the family. We are doing the family since six years now. We had our sixth birthday two weeks ago. But the family is not my first iteration of the family. Uh, for example, when I was a teenager, I tried to gather a group of people in my high school and to convince them to build startup and I will take 25% of their startup in exchange of my support. A very big failure. Then I had a house uh, in Paris where I was hosting anyone that would launch a startup. I was cooking food, giving him advice, and trying to take 10% of his company. Big fail. Then in California, my house was a guest house for any international founders coming to California. And it was for free because I was so tired to try to take any equity in anyone. And you don't imagine for how many good entrepreneurs I cooked in California in this house. And then I did the family. But you see, from the outside, it looks like, oh, one day I wake up and I got the idea of the family. But it never happened like that. I was sure that, by the way, the family would never work because each time I tried, it did not work. But I wanted to do something with Alice. And so what made the family possible is that Alice, Nicola, and I together created something really unique. And that uniqueness comes from our shared experience, the fact that we already try to create community all by our own in a different fashion. And by the way, 
every great idea are super hard to explain. Like if you say, okay, what is Amazon? Is it an e-commerce platform? But they do also logistic, but they also do payment, and they also do a servers. What is Google? Is it a search engine, an AI company, uh, kind of taking over the world? Uh, is, is it, a, you know, 1984 trying to get alive? What, what is Facebook? A country, a government, a social platform, and a, a tool for Vladimir Putin to meddle election around the world? Like you see, everything that is successful becomes so complicated that the pitch is just a very isolated version of what they are doing. If you look most of the very successful company, they are so complicated to explain. It can take so much time that the only thing that makes them real is the experience and the fact that the people operating them kind of gain secrets. So let's talk about secrets. What is very important in the startup world is to get ideas in advance of everyone around you. So Peter Thiel called that secrets. A secret is not something confidential. A secret is something you know that is true, but no one around you realizes it. It's something you can put on a billboard of five meters by four meters, and nobody will believe that it's true. For example, at the family, our secret is that anyone can become an entrepreneur. You know, it's written everywhere. Nobody realizes how powerful that belief is, and it comes down to the fact that we believe that anyone can become an entrepreneur. When you say that to most of the people in the venture industry, they laugh. Some people say, oh yeah, this is marketing. Some other people say, yeah, that's bullshit. Some people believe it way too much. Yeah, anyone can be an entrepreneur, I can be an entrepreneur. They're like, no, not you, it's anyone, not everyone. Uh, <laughs> and so, of course a secret is something that you know that is true, but no one else around you know that. And that it can create this frustration where you have really hard time to explain your idea. You be like, oh, nobody believe me. You don't need the approval of anyone to launch. You just need to objectify your market and make some progress. For example, when we created the family, our goal was to get 10 entrepreneurs to give us equity. And then it was 100, then it was 500. And so we never try to pitch our idea to anyone. Each time someone wanted to talk about that and disagree with me, I was just shutting off. Because you don't have any time to spend with people that talk. If you are an entrepreneur, you need to be on the doer side. And doer, they don't explain, they show. So stop to try to convince people. It's a very hard game to convince anyone. No one can get convinced of the impossible. And doing a startup is about doing something impossible. Because if it was easy to do a startup, if it was easy to succeed, everybody would have done it. So what makes an idea of startup really great is not the idea itself. It's the meeting between the founders and the idea. We talk a lot about product market fit, but we don't want to talk about the founder idea fit. The founder idea fit is about the question, are you the right person to build that, or are you the right team? And by the way, you have a thousand of ideas, but if you think about what startup you can do together, the number of ideas reduce. So let me give you a very contrarian idea. 
Stop thinking about what you want to do and start to think about who you want to do with. People spend way too much time selecting what instead of selecting who. By the way, thanks God we don't do children like that. Imagine you can select the characteristic of your children. And so you say, oh, I want a cute baby, blonde, blue eyes. And then they tell you, okay, that's the guy you should match with. Or that's the girl you should match with. That, that will look weird, no? Nobody wants that. Because you want that your baby is somehow the merge of your love. And your love is the expression of who you are. Most of the people we love is just an expression of who we think we are and who accepted us for what we are. Same thing with co-founders. I think finding a mate, finding a co-founders, is much more important than doing the baby. So looking at yourself is much more important than looking at what you are doing. Because what you are doing can just change through the iteration of the market. So the question you can may ask is, okay, so how do I listen to my user? And that's where the trick is, is that most of the time, the best way to listen to user is to not listen to them. So let me tell you the two secrets of user engagement. Everybody lie, nobody care. What is the problem when you have an idea? When you have an idea, it's very fantasized. So when you express this idea, everybody on the other side will take this idea as an imagination figure. So you will say, I want to build a platform that do A, and the other guy in his head imagine minority report. And he imagined this very fancy interface. And then you show off what A is. And you know, you show off this very clunky interface where nothing works. And then people, you know, go down. So of course, from an idea perspective, it's very easy to get people excited. One of the things people don't know is that it's easier to sell something that doesn't exist than something that exists. Because when something exists, it's really harder to sell it because people can look at it. We cannot, we cannot imagine anymore. There is no room for imagination. When something doesn't exist, everybody can imagine how it is. You know, like you can fantasize it. You can, you can, you know, live with it. And of course, that exercise is why it's so hard to be an entrepreneur. Everybody lie, nobody care. If you ask someone to tell you what he thinks about your idea, what on earth is in incentivized to tell you the truth? He has no incentivized to tell you that. He will just be like, oh yeah, it's cool. Uh, it works. Uh, I don't see myself using it, but I know some people that can. Because a lot of people don't realize that the excitement of people doesn't cost them anything because they are not skin in the game. So don't ask people, look at them. Look their behavior. And the second thing is nobody care. It's really, really hard to care for something. <coughs> what is important for you has very low chance to be very important for everyone. So one of the problems when you are a young entrepreneur is that you think that the excitement of people and the early feedbacks of people means that you are on the right path and on the right way of building something amazing. Because look, everyone told you. That's why Lean Startup is such a deceptive book. Because in Lean Startup, I think it started with a very nice idea, how to help people take less risk. Because people are like, oh, I build my MVP and I have five users 
that told me how great my MVP is. And you're like, okay, but actually they are all lie, and your MVP means nothing, and it's shitty, and all, none of the users that told you that are ready to pay. And you know, facing this reality as an entrepreneur is not easy. So the question is not how to get idea. Most of the idea of startup are obvious. If you look around you, like <coughs> most of the time, startups start as small experiment. They start from people that you just want to do things, and what they are doing is more and more and more complicated. If you look, most of the good startups at the family is just about someone not knowing that what he's doing is, is impossible to do. You know, like the PayFit guy in our portfolio. They build a payroll solution. Recently, I was talking with Firmin, and he told me this thing that made me so much laugh. I was like, did you imagine that it would be that complicated? And he was like, if I knew that, I would never have done this company. Because most of the people, they don't realize the mountain to achieve, you know, the mountain to climb. They just see the next step. And they're like, oh, yeah, it looks nice. Then they go to the step and they're like, oh, oh, yeah, there is another step. And then they go to the step and they're like, okay, actually, there is a full mountain. And on the way, you know, they gather people, team, complexity. And most of the startups looks always simple from the outside. You know, my favorite game is to ask entrepreneurs which company they wish to build, you know, inside the family. So they are, I'm like, okay, so you, which company do you want to build? And they're like, oh, I wish to build this company. It's so simple. They don't have all the trouble I have. And then you ask the other entrepreneur, and say, you, the other company. Oh, yeah, I wish to build this company. It's so easy. Because from the outside, it looks cool. It's a little bit like when you go and see a dance uh, show, you know? Nobody will see that people hurt their feet when they dance and that they are actually bleeding and, and, and broken their, their nails and blah, blah, blah. Like, that doesn't come to your mind. You are not like, oh, actually, ballet is a torture, uh, institutionalized torture on... In front of people, so for few hours of making people uh, happy, there is hours and hours of violent training. Nobody thinks like that, and thanks God, nobody thinks like that. Some people try now to think like that, but they are kind of annoying. And of course, when you go to a ballet, you want to enjoy the show. The same thing when you meet an entrepreneur, you want to enjoy the show. But when you are the entrepreneur, you know that you are going to suffer. You know that you need to go step after step. You need that you need to try out and redefine and redefine what you are doing. And here come down to the mistake of how testing things. One of the biggest mistakes people do is to believe way too much in themselves. Uh, the very annoying thing with most of the first-time entrepreneurs is that they believe that they have superpower. They believe that what they think about reality is reality. So they will be like, oh, I'm, I'm launching my MVP in six months, and then in six months after I will raise money, and, and then I will launch uh, the second version of my product, and that's the roadmap for the next five years. And they spend hours and hours planning that. And then they go to see the first client, and nothing happened like they think it will happen. And by the way, most of the time, the most interesting thing in startup is when people use your product in a way you will never have imagined it. My favorite story is about the founder of Flickr that now becomes the founder of Slack. That when he created Flickr, it was a sharing photo website. But the first iteration of the website, 
was a website to post a screenshot of your video game. And so you can show off your score. And people started to use this website to put their holiday picture and show it to their friend. You know what they did at Flickr? They hired moderator to impeach people doing that. And one day, one of their investors, they were like, okay, so let me phrase that. No one is posting screenshot. Everyone is posting picture. And your answer to that is to hire people to kick out the people that use your website for the first time. Can you explain me that bit? And they were like, ah, yeah, it made sense. Actually, we should do a sharing photo website. You know, and, and, and that's so amazing when people start to do things you don't realize. It happened all the time at the family. For example, um, at the family, we realized very early on that founders um, are really bad at understanding what happened to them. Okay? So at the beginning, we were thinking that when someone fundraises, he should teach other entrepreneurs to fundraise. Because after all, he did it, so now he can become a teacher. And we realized that actually it's the worst way of doing things. Because most of the time, people imagine that their story is the right story because they had a bit of luck or something happened in their fundraising, for example, that is quite unique, and then they try to generalize it. And I remember the first time we did session where we asked entrepreneurs to teach over, we were in the public and we were like, what? And then we realized that the best way of doing that, the best way of taking that knowledge, is to interview people and trick the interview to get the generalization out. Never let the founder speak by himself. That's a very, like I will never had imagined that half of my job will be to take learning from people, transforming it and giving it to others. I will never had imagined that that's how the family can be very successful. But it's exactly what happened. Why? Because we tried out. Because reality become bigger than us. And most of the time, when you're an entrepreneur, you need to force a little bit that process. And the best way to force that process is to do stupid things. People don't put enough intensity at doing stupid things. Like, you know, sometimes you have this hunch. You'll be like, oh, it will be cool if. And you know, the if is something really nuts. What happens most of the time? People talk about that. They go and see their colleagues and be like, hey, what do you think if we do A, B? And everybody's like, ah, oh, no, don't do that. Why are you doing that? It's stupid to do that. Because people have this very standard mode of refusing any new idea. And you know why? Because the majority of new ideas are bad. Even if you are the smartest people in the room, the probability when you get an idea to get the right one is very low. But you know what makes the difference between the very creative people and the other people? Is that creative people try out stupid ideas all the time. You can see that in cooking. You know, most of the incredible cooking is gross because you put stuff together that doesn't seem to go together. Why do you think amazing chefs are able to make you eat things that doesn't make sense? It's just because they try out thousands of things that you never saw. 
It's not like, like people have this view of inspiration, like the guy think very deeply and something magical happened. And this thing magical is the right answer. But no, most of the great cook, they make, they eat gross things all the time. Uh, there is an incredible show about René from Noma on Netflix where he's literally in the jungle trying things. And then sometime he tries things and he's like, oh, I will never imagine that this uh, mushroom is that good. Oh, I will never imagine that thy hands smell that good. We should put ants in our food. Like, what? <laughs> and then you eat the ants and you're like, wow, I want to eat ants to breakfast. You know? But that thing comes when you break your own reality. And being an entrepreneur is not about having one idea, but it's about having a thing you want to change, a field you want to revolutionize, because you like it, because you are compatible with it, because it makes sense that you go after that, and then just trying as many stupid ideas as possible with enough intensity until something works. And think about that. How many times can you be wrong? The incredible thing in life is that you can be wrong an infinite number of times. You just need to be right very few times. It doesn't cost that much to be wrong. And that's one of the problems when your organization grows. Most of the startups get boring and don't go to their full potential because they don't try out things. Let me give you an example at the family. We build everything at the family based on social interaction and offline links. Okay? So if you look how we design the family, we organize dinners, we organize events, uh, we get people together to get drunk as often as possible, and we hope that they love us because they drink so much wine, and good wine, that they will give us equity back. That's our real secret. It, it's called uh, wine equity. That's a real model of the family. Recently we realized that there is a lot of entrepreneurs and more and more entrepreneurs that want to join the family and that are not in Paris. And by definition, if they are not in Paris, it's really hard to give them an opportunity. What will be the natural choice of most of the organization? Natural choice will be like, oh, it's impossible. It will never work. Forget it. But what happened at the family? We say, you know what? Let's destroy everything we did. Let's just put a blank page and rebuild the family 100% online, even for the people in Paris. So we are working right now on building an online version of the family. You know how many times we did that? Four times. That's the fourth time we tried that. You know how many times it worked? Zero. Do you think we are shy at trying again? No, we just try with someone new. And there is very high chance he fail. And actually, I don't, I don't care that he succeed or not. Because there is a very low chance that he succeed. But if that happens, it's highly transformative. Recently, I was looking at a TV show with my, a teenager girl, my niece. And it was a funny one. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's called The Order. So, you know, it's a TV show for young girls. Uh, there is a beautiful guy. Uh, he goes in a secret society. 
uh, and in this secret society as power and there's werewolf and blah, blah, blah. And he's really cute. I mean, if I was a teenage girl, that's exactly the kind of guy I want. Uh, and, and there is something really funny in the show. It's that there is a lot of entrepreneurial lesson. So she, she's unlucky. She watched that with her uncle. So I tried to see entrepreneurial lesson everywhere, you know. But there is this moment that stuck me. So there is a moment where the main character thinks that a werewolf is killing students on the campus. Okay? And he tells his best friend, I think there is a werewolf on the campus. We need to find him out. And the guy is like, yeah, I'm down to that. The guy is like, what? So you believe that there is a werewolf? And the guy is like, no, I don't know. But imagine there is no werewolf. Yeah, but imagine there is one. You know, okay, it, seems, it sounds stupid. Werewolf, why there will be a werewolf killing students? But imagine there is one. That's a transformative event. If werewolves are real, that changes this whole reality. So if the cost of discovering that is one night in the wood with his friend, worst case, he had fun in this wood. So what I'm asking you is to stop to be obsessed about ideas and try to find who is your next werewolf. How can you put yourself in position where you do very stupid things, things that you should feel ashamed of doing? Like if you spend the last weekend trying to find a werewolf in the woods, I'm sure nobody will talk about it. Okay, you will not come and be like, hey, I think that we were werewolf. We go around in the woods all weekend. We did not find one, uh, but it's fine. You know, nobody wants to say that because it looks lame. But it's exactly what you need to do. Because if you do it enough and enough and enough, one day you will find a werewolf. I mean, unless you are really unlucky and at 65 years old, you are like, oh, fuck, why I watch a video from Usama? <laughs> 45 years of, of looking for werewolf and no one is around. That will, that will be insane. But no, nobody is that unlucky. Uh, <clears throat> and I think the idea is not so much about the idea, but it's more about yourself. It's about how can you experiment to be in an active process with idea. And by the way, that's the difference between copying a startup and stealing a startup. You know, one of my favorite Steve Jobs sentence is that great artists copy, genius stole. It takes me a lot of time to understand what he means. I, I just recently understand that. If you copy someone, if you say, oh, there is this startup and I copy it, then the decision making happens in this startup. If they do a mistake, you copy it. If they do something right, you copy it. But if you steal, their ideas. What happened? What happened when you steal something? When you steal something, it becomes a very active process. You see something, you take it, you make it your own. And now, the way that will live will be your version of it. And your version of it can be quite unique. Entrepreneurship is hard not because stupid ideas fail. Entrepreneurship is hard because very good idea fail. There is thousands of startups that make so much sense from an idea perspective, and they fail 
because the entrepreneur don't find the right way to execute them. And something happened to them that is related to luck or not, related to something they do stupid or not, that just kill the long-term potential of the idea and kill the energy in the startup. Doing startup is much more about cooking than thinking. And cooking is a very, very active process. And everything we learn about how to become a great cook are exactly the same about how to become a great entrepreneur. Repeat, 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 try, 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 and try to be as stupid as possible. Because only in very gross thing you can build things that are really, really amazing. So, when do you know that your idea is not the right one anymore? <coughs> That's a question a lot of people ask me. It's like, okay, I have an idea, I try it, it doesn't work that much, should I try more or should I stop? So, there is no perfect answer to that. But I think what you need to put yourself in is in a position where the intensity selects you. One of the problems a lot of people have is that they don't use their time intensively enough. The worst thing that can happen as an entrepreneur is to lose your time. The worst thing that can happen to you is that you're in a situation where you don't put the maximum amount of energy doing what you are trying to do. And if you do that, what happens is that you will live with regret because you will never know if what you did did not work because you did not put your best effort or because just it was impossible. And that comes down to three things. First, stop to listen to others. No one famous enough can teach you your own lesson. You need to take your own failure as your own system of learning. And that's why at that stage, you should avoid advisor, you should avoid the family, you should avoid anyone, myself, uh, that can give you a feedback. Because the only thing you need to try to do at that point is try out, try out, and try out more. The second thing is that you need to put yourself in danger. Uh, one of the best ways to know if someone works or not is to put yourself in danger. If you don't put yourself in danger, you never know if it was the right thing or not. So keeping your job and trying ideas on the side never build anything significant because you are not skin in the game. Uh, trying to, I don't know, you know, to, um, to, to raise money before starting full-time, another stupid reason. Uh, keeping the money for later and not going full-scale with the money you raise, another stupid thing. So try to put at every step as much intensity as you can. And then stopping or continuing will become a very personal decision. No one outside can tell you that is the right time to stop. The only thing you need to don't become is a prisoner of your own story. Never lie about how your startup is successful to the people you love. Okay? Because what happened, what is the, the, the most catastrophic thing that can happen to an entrepreneur? You lie to the ones that are close to you. Girlfriend, mom, um, parents, uh, um, sister, brothers, best friends. If you lie to these people, then you will need to live up to the lie. You know this story of this guy that pretend that he was a doctor for 10 years or 12 years? Um, it's a French guy 
that uh, pretended to be a doctor and he failed his first year in medicine and he was so traumatized to fail that he told everyone in his family that he succeeded. And then for the next 12 years, he was going every day in a parking lot, waiting inside his car that the day go on and coming back and inventing story. And he was reading book of medicine all day long because he was worried to meet another doctor at a dinner or blah, 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 and not able to have a medical conversation. And one day his wife discovered that. He killed his wife, he killed his children. Because then the lie become so big. This story is dramatic, but this story is what happened to a lot of entrepreneurs, low scale. They don't kill their wife and their children, but they put themselves in a very embarrassing situation where because they cannot face the fact that it doesn't work, then the day they want to stop, they cannot stop because they don't have the energy to tell everyone that actually it was not working that well. So the best thing to do to protect yourself and to know that the energy you put in your startup is real is to not put yourself in a jail with the people you love. Find few people that you really trust and you can tell them how bad it is, how it doesn't work, and, and try to find a way to tell them that it's not a good way to tell you to stop. You will decide to stop when you think it will be the right moment to stop. And of course, entrepreneurship is a test. Entrepreneurship is a test at every step. It tests you about how good you are at knowing yourself. It tests you how much you are ready to learn, to grow yourself, to be up to the challenge you, you have. Then it tests you in your ability to manage people and make people believe. Then it tests you in ability to manage this success and stay a quiet guy and not believing in your own story. All these tests have multiple ways, you have multiple ways of failing them, and it's fine. You should just be a bit indulgent with yourself and understand that it's kind of normal uh, to not succeed at all these, these steps. Um, idea have no value and you cannot uh, try to sell them because the execution is so important that if you give an idea to someone, then the reason, the money paid you for that will never be enough to what it can do with it. That's why most of the people steal ideas around. Inspiration is everywhere. Uh, we are living at the time of the internet, so it means that you can watch anything happening in any country online and documenting yourself. And because of that, it's really hard to sell something as basic as an idea. You can try to sell storytelling. Uh, you can try to be a consultant. Consultant, by definition, sell ideas. But what you will sell is more the process than the result. People will pay you because they recognize that your time is somehow valuable. But the idea itself, it's really impossible uh, to evaluate. Um, let me show you in a very concrete way, and I will finish by that, and then we can have questions together. Uh, I have uh, 30 minutes left. Uh, let me show you how I think about business. So one exercise I like to do is to imagine which company I will build if I was not doing the family, okay? Um, and, and I like to do that exercise for two reasons. The first reason is that I think when you're an entrepreneur, 
you need to have plan B in your mind that are as good as plan A. Because if you don't do that, then you are not ready to kill your plan A when necessary. You know, you need to be like, I need to know that the family can die. If I don't accept that idea, there is no way I, t I take the risks that are necessary to the next step of the family. Um, I watch a lot of videos of Best Jumper on YouTube. They are very interesting guys because it's a sport that kills the most, the highest number of people on earth. Uh, when you best jump, your chance of dying are actually super high. And there's a lot of interview about that. How do you manage your fear of death? And it all says the same thing. You need to prepare for your death. You need to do your, your will. You need to uh, tell your children that your, their father or mother has very high chance not coming back. If you cannot have this discussion with your children and you are not able to look at them and say, I'm taking that kind of risk and I, and I acknowledge it, then your chance of dying in best jumping are super high. Because the decisions you have to take are so risky that you have no time to think. And so if you have a very, only a very few moments of fear, then your chance of dying are super, super high. So the only way to not be fearful is to accept the death. Same thing with a startup. If at every step you don't accept the idea that your startup can die, it shall, like if I don't accept the idea that the family can die and it, like it'd be a catastrophe when we switch online and everybody leave and nobody wants a family, then you cannot take the risk of doing that really well. Because to take the risk of doing that super well, you have to destroy everything you did until that point. You know, this destruction force is super important. Um, I always think more about what people should destroy in their company and delete than what they should add. It's an exercise that is much more complicated. So, because of that, I like to fantasize around startup. And, and I want to show you how I think about how to build a company. So, I told you airline have no margin. Why airline have no margin? Because there is no brand love. People are ready to change an airline for 10 euro difference. You know, people are go going on every website, looking at everything, just to find that. Why? Because the experience that is provided by airline is the same in every airline. So I think about how can you build an airline that makes sense. So step one, it will be called Air Vegas. So how it will work. It will be an airline company that go only to Las Vegas. The only place on earth you can go with this airline company from wherever you come from is Vegas. So we will start London Vegas as step one because it's one of the biggest line. Then we will do Hong Kong Vegas. And then we'll do Sao Paulo Vegas. Then we will do, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Johannesburg Vegas. And so basically, you can change every rules because you go to Las Vegas. Rule number one that you can change is that instead of selling plane ticket, you can sell lead to casino. Okay? So you solve your problem of margin because you are not selling plane tickets anymore. You are selling an experience. Why airline lose so much money? The first cost is not um, uh, what you think. The first cost is to buy the shortest route. Why they are obsessed about buying the shortest route? Because they are obsessed about taking the less time in the air. 
So in my company, we can buy the slowest route. Because inside my plan, you can play. You can have a Vegas experiment. So experience. So you can play gamble. Uh, you can imagine a lot of experience. And the idea is to bring the experience of Vegas inside the plan, not only the gambling, but everything else. Imagine that you want to make this airline company Instagram compatible. How do you do that? You're on a flight, you look at your left, and you see Rihanna, and you're like, oh, there is Rihanna in my plan. And then Rihanna wake up and start to do a private concert in the plane. Imagine how cool is that? And imagine that each time you buy a ticket in this company, you don't know which crazy stuff will happen to you. Uh, let's say you take a plan and everyone in the plan is single, but you don't know that. We know that because we have the data. And then you arrive in the plan and on every screen there is Tinder. And if you match with someone inside the plan, there is a cabin where you can have a romantic lunch. Imagine that that happened to you and you have no idea that that can happen to you. How, how viral that will be. Imagine that everything you do in the plan can go in your mobile app and every game you play can be downloaded. Then you become the first lead generator for mobile apps. Mobile apps are the highest margin product in, on earth. If they pay you leads to install mobile game in the plan, you do 10 times the money that you do on any airplane ticket. Do you know the average profit of an airline on a plane ticket in the world? 12 euro. That's the average profit. Do you know the cost of acquisition of a player on, on Candy Crush in average? A whale? 148 euro. So basically, you can build an airline company just by making people install Candy Crush in a very um, smooth experience inside the plane. And imagine that all of that go to Vegas. And imagine if you do it for enough years. You can take all this margin and invest it in the best IT infrastructure. You don't yield, because yield make people to not trust you. You know, one of my favorite experience in the plane, when I want to upgrade myself, is that, and I'm in economy class, I ask everyone how much they pay the ticket and I pretend that I pay only 10 euro. And, and someone will be like, I paid 300, the other one will be 200, and the other one. And I'm like, I paid 10, how, how guys did you? And like in 50% of the case, I have one guy that becomes so mad at me, that the only thing they can do is to put me in business class to stop the fight. <laughs> you don't imagine how many times that works. But I know why, it's because people hate the yells. People hate the fact that they have been played by an algorithm. On my airline company, we will make so much money outside the ticket that we can sell the ticket at cost and the fixed price. And you know how we can do that? We say more people book the plane and less the price of the ticket is. And you can use that money saved on your next trip with us. And let's say we do that for enough years that we have enough big cities connecting to Vegas and one day you change the name and you just connect every city to the others. You can build a monopoly in airplane. That idea can be the first plane company that is valued more than 100 billion euro. It's free, take it. And you will see that the question is, are you the right guy to do that? I'm born to go to Vegas. 
Like I know that if I was doing this a company, it will be this one. Because I know exactly what people love when they gamble, play, and, and everything else. And, <laughs> and, and drink and blah. And, and so you, you can imagine thousands of experiences. But you see, look something simple. You take an industry and you just ask a question, how this industry can be more like me? Because when I think airline, I think boring. And when I think why it's not like me, I think Vegas. And Vegas is a really nice niche to start because millions of people go to Vegas every year and every casino will be ready to pay for their data. And an idea like that, we can play it on any industry. So you see, the ideas are not important. What is important is who you are and how can you express who you are in a crazy way. Thank you very much. So we, we talked about how to get idea of startup, but we did not talk about something very fundamental, is should you join another startup instead of launching your own startup? And I think it's something that too many people discount because they think that being an entrepreneur is about being the founder and CEO. If you join a massively successful startup and you get less ownership in this startup, you are going to get a bigger impact in your life than launching something yourself that doesn't work. And I think it's a test that everyone should try. It's to look at what other people do, not to, to copy or benchmark, but just to ask yourself this very honest question, should I be an employee somewhere else? For example, when we created the family, I had this question of should I create the family or should I work somewhere else? If there were a place that was achieving my vision, I would have worked there. Like being an entrepreneur is not a universal solution. And benchmarking that way, should I be an entrepreneur or should I be a co-founder, is a very important uh, decision in life. Uh, one story I have about that, um, um, there is one guy in our team that launched Uber India. And, and so before launching Uber in India, he launched a copycat of Uber in India, a startup. And he met Travis. And Travis told him, why are you launching this company? And Gagan replied, because I want to change the way transportation is done in India. And Travis looked at him and said, you are a liar. If that was important for you, you will join Uber. Because we have a bigger, higher chance of achieving that. So why are you launching this company? And Gagan replied, actually, I think I'm not launching it anymore. I will come and work for you. And you see, like he achieved his vision in a much better way doing that. So if what is important for you is your vision, think about which company you join. Idea is not an expression of entrepreneurship. Idea is just a necessity for entrepreneurship. But if the idea is very important, maybe it's better to be an employee. If you want to change education, for example, you have higher chance of doing that, being an employee at Zuckerberg Foundation and spending all the money Zuckerberg did in his life than uh, going and trying to be an educative entrepreneur. Being an entrepreneur is not just about the impact, it's about enjoying the thing of being an entrepreneur. If what obsesses you is the target and the idea, then you should uh, be an employee at some place where you can have an impact.
Yep, there was a small bonus. You thought it was the end of the video, but actually we added a small part. Usama always wants to share, so we won't restrain him from doing that. If you liked this episode, subscribe to the podcast for always more content. We have an episode going out every week on Thursday. Also, you can check our YouTube channel, Startup Food, and our medium, The Family. We organize a lot of events, so come to see us in real life. We would love to chat. And if you want to apply to The Family, go to the website, thefamily.co. We're waiting for you.